The TV commercials, he gets us. Are they accurate when they portray Christ? He gets us. Is it biblical on this slice of fresh bread? Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville, with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Keith. Well, thanks for clicking on Fresh Bread, Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth of God's Word to a starving world. Fresh Bread, podcast number 50. We've hit the 5-0, and uh, that's quite exciting. 50 podcasts now we have in the hopper. So I'm Pastor Keith, he's Pastor Brandon. Today on Fresh Bread, we're going to we're going to take a look at those, I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl or saw some of the commercials from that, but uh, there was a Super Bowl ad called He Gets Us and they had an interesting commercial where they showed many different scenes of people washing other people's feet. And so we thought it would be interesting to kind of look at that and just see from a biblical point of view, they got it right on that. And the, the He Gets Us ads have always been sort of, I, I just call them weird, but but I don't think they do what they're trying to do. What do you think they're trying to do, Keith? I, they, they say they're trying to, to bring Christ into the, you know, the younger generation to, to show him, but I don't think they, I think they're showing like if you look through a, like a, a tube, you're seeing just a small fraction of who Jesus really is. Hmm. Yeah. I, okay. So let's let's back up and and you know I think that that what part of the what their what their hope is is to show Jesus the love of Jesus to you know you mentioned a younger generation and so why would that be a motivation for them? Well, because more than ever, you know, the younger generation is being exposed to many things that you and I didn't, you know, we, we didn't have to, we weren't exposed to, you know, at a, at a, at a level that they are. As an example, you know, when you and I were growing up, you know, when we were coming up when we were younger, in the society assumed that homosexuality was sinful. Like it's, mm. it was sort of an, an, the assumption. And, and, Quite frankly, I, I think that probably people were overly harsh in the sense of how they how they responded to to that situation, and you know, but but it's still a, it's still a sin, and and we understood it to be a sin back in those days, right? It wasn't something that was being thrown in our face every day, you know, that you're having to deal with every day. Now, you know, that's over the past you know thirty years, uh, forty years that 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 the homosexual homosexual movement has has moved to the mainstream then you have over the past several years you have um, you know the the trans movement you know the you know the people who are saying that they're trapped in the wrong body or were born you know the wrong sex so to speak and so they want to they want to become the other the other sex that has been more mainstreamed you know since Bruce Jenner decided mm-hmm. he wanted to call himself Caitlyn you know that's become more mainstream there and so you know you basically you they live you know young people live if you're under 30 for sure under 30 you live in a world that that's way, the way it's always been mm-hmm. like you you maybe saw you know you saw with you know in Obama you know Barack Obama when he was elected president you know he was a not for at least publicly not for gay marriage you know not long after that 
you know, a few years after that, he completely changes and is, you know, definitely pro gay marriage, at least publicly. I think publicly, he, I mean, privately, it, I think he was always there, but, or at least, you know, during his political life. But I think, you know, when you look at the whole thing, but then publicly he became out in, you know, the Defense of Marriage Act, you know, that all the, all that went into now recognizing gay marriage as being a valid, as, a, as valid marriage in the eyes of the law. Then you have the trans movement with, with Bruce Jenner and that become that comes to light, you know, and so this long story short, uh, people under 30, I don't think we appreciate that, you know, you and I lived in a world that those things didn't, you know, those things were behind closed doors. Those things were in the dark. You know, they didn't, they didn't come to, they didn't come out, you know, those kind of things didn't come out to the light, so to speak. Well, now it's mainstream. Now it's, you know, everybody knows someone who's gay. Many people know someone who's trans, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just the young, young folks now face this every day, you know, and, and the, and the world's message is, is that, you know, if you call those things sinful, then you're being unloving. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they, and they have pounded that drum and pounded that drum that, if you call it sin, anything that you call sinful is unloving, you know, instead of, instead of loving someone with the truth, it's unloving by, to say, you know, you, you're in sin, you've sinned against a holy God. And that drum has been pounded so much that now people feel, you know, the church feels defensive. Like, you know, we talked about Alistair Begg and the situation there to the point where we don't want to be, we don't want to come across as being what they accuse us of being, you know, that mm. we don't want to come across as being unloving. Yeah. And so you have Alistair Begg who says, well, yeah, go to, a, go to this gay wedding and, and bring a gift. You know, you, 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 you don't want to come across as being the, the legalistic, I don't you know, we, we hate everybody who doesn't look like us kind of, you know, idea. And, and the, they've done a great job. The culture is, I say they, the culture has done a great job of equating these things with racism. Mm. And so clearly, you know, I, you know, any Christian who's truly a Christian would say, yeah, racism is evil. And we're talking about, you know, the color, you know, showing partiality uh, based on the color of skin, mm. based on nationality, um, that now I'm, you know, one one nation is better than the other based on whatever, you know, mostly in the United States, it's, it's against, you know, uh, someone from, of African descent with, with, you know, darker skin. So, so obviously the, we would say, you and I would say it's, you know, that's racism, you know, in terms of that, that's, that's evil. You know, that if I, if I do something, if I am, uh, show partiality using a biblical term, if I show partiality based on skin color, that I'm that's that's wrong. That's sinful. But the problem is, is that now that's been established, and everybody agrees with that, or you know, most people agree with that. Most reasonable people would, would agree that that with that. But then now they're equating the same problem with you know, like with someone who's gay or someone who's trans. That if you call them, if it's a, if you're saying that's a sin that you're being, it's the equivalent of being racist. And, and so they've done a great job of the, the culture. Those who are fighting in that direction are, are doing a great job of 
equating that, and and Christians are now on the defensive because because the culture is saying that we're being it's equivalent of being a racist, and therefore therefore because of that, then I need to go out of my way to make sure everybody realizes that I love everybody, and so and so especially young people are in in this, under this pressure because because they're surrounded by it. They've always been surrounded by it. They're being pushed back against, especially if they're in the church and, and they're fighting against these things. And so, so they, there's a, there's this big struggle that's going on and they don't want to be seen as unloving, but they're not able to really stand up with the truth because that's being attacked. So, so is that where the, he gets us is trying to say, look, Jesus loves everybody. It's the born again Christians who are the they're the ones that are unloving because they're not willing to be well, like Christ. Well, I don't know, Keith. I don't. I don't. You know, when I look at what he gets us is doing, I don't think they're necessarily saying. I don't think they're necessarily pointing out Christians who have been unloving in that sense. In the sense of, you know, historically that they've been. That, I mean, that's a negative. That I think they're staying away from the negative campaign and staying with the positive campaign. The, the positive campaign is is that Jesus loves everyone, right? Jesus mm-hmm. loves you know He loves trans people, He loves gay people, He loves you know He loves straight people, He loves black people, He loves white people. Jesus loves everyone, and so but and they're not necessarily putting the spotlight on Christians who believe you know who want to you know uphold the truth. But that's implicit to the message, right? That's it's an implicit message that, I mean, they even say in their you know kind of their lead off on their website, you know, how did the story of Jesus, the world's greatest love story, get twisted into a tool to judge, harm, and divide? How do we remind people that the story of Jesus belongs to everyone? These questions are the beating heart of He gets us, and so ultimately, that's the I mean, that paragraph is is incredibly informative for them to understand that they're trying to show, you know, the positive there. That's their, their whole point is to show the positive aspects of who Jesus is and, and elevate that in terms of, in terms of, you know, like um, in terms of basically that we're not, that Jesus doesn't judge that Jesus is, you know, one who is a lover of, of all men and all women and no matter who they are. And, and so, and, you know, it's funny because I think, I think the other side of it is that they want to highlight the humanity of Jesus. Like he's, he's human. He's like us. He, you know, he gets us because he's like us. And, and, you know, and the writer of Hebrews says that, you know, he's been tempted in all ways in Hebrews, Hebrews uh, 4.14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in, to help in, the time of, in time of need. And so, you know, they are what they're doing with this campaign is they're highlighting his humanity. They're highlighting the fact that he is sympathetic. He is a sympathetic high priest. Yet, but but because they're doing that, it's that they're excluding the fact that he's you know he's also you know perfect. He's God. He's perfect deity, 
And so you can't divorce love and truth. And we've, you know, we've had podcasts about that before where we talk about, you know, love, but love absent of truth is like a, you know, a, a, a stool with two legs, you know, mm. that it, it's, it's out of balance. You can't, it doesn't stand up on it. It doesn't stand up. You have to have both love and truth in order for it to stand. And, you know, John chapter one says he's full of, of grace and truth. And so the idea there is that, you know, Exodus 34, he's full of loving kindness and truth. And so the idea that you, you have to have both truth, you know, true love doesn't exist outside of the context of truth. And I'm not loving somebody by saying that, you know, as an example, that you can participate in homosexual sin or you can, you know, become a boy can become a girl or a girl boy because that's actually, that's actually unloving because it's not the truth. Mm. You know, the truth is that God created us male and female, and he, and he intended for male and female to procreate and have children and be fruitful and multiply, and that's how the world is built. And, and anything that goes against that is actually against the truth, and anything that's against the truth is unloving if I, if I say it's okay. And so, you know, I think the problem with the commercial is, is that basically it's he accepts us the way we are. And, you know, sin, sin warts and all, right? And, you know, the question is, is that really what he did? Is that really what was going on when we, when we see the, when we read the gospels, you know, in the, the gospel accounts? And I don't think so. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what we have to really explore. Yeah, I think you're right because there is in those commercials there is no mention of repentance or the gospel in it or anything. It's just he gets us, he understands us, and he loves us. But let's let's talk about this ad that was on the Super Bowl specifically, the foot washing. And I don't know if hopefully everyone has seen it, and if you haven't, we'll try to explain a little bit of what it was about. It it was a bunch of pictures dep- uh, having people washing people's feet. So you have a dinner scene of a son and and his dad and mom and another, maybe his sister, transgender person. And then the next scene, you had a, an abortion clinic where a young woman either is going in or has come out after an abortion. And you have um, a woman washing her feet in the background. You have protesters saying, you know, abortion is murder. And so it depicts all these scenes, a police officer washing the the feet of a, of, of a young black man, and on it goes down and, and around. And so, the the, the what, what the commercials depicting is that that Christ washed feet to to show love, and and so, um, I, I think that's what the commercial is trying to show us, right? Is that we are to love everyone the way they are enough to wash their feet and and to serve them. Yes, I mean I, I think. Yes, I mean the whole the whole thing was depicting people who wouldn't normally be that you know right. like yeah that that they're washing one another's feet and so the idea there is that we need to be more accepting that there's a you know that really if you get down to it we're all in the same position we're all you know we all have our problems and you know that we all have I mean you could say you probably could say that 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 we all have our sins. And, you know, that God, God accepts us where we're at. And, and, and there is, as with anything, there's the, that with a good, any good lie is going to have, 
really, you know, major elements of truth, you know, that, you know, that I think that's the danger here is that there's, it's, it's twisting it just, just slightly twisting it. And, you know, it does God love sinners. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about it that, that God saved sinners and, and he gave his only son, um, you know, that, that, you know, he, uh, he, he, he has sacrificed Christ sacrificed himself, you know, that he, took upon him, you know, he made him who knew no sin to be sin uh, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, so that, I mean, there's no doubt that, that God sacrificed for sinners. I mean, that's, that's the story of, that's the, that's the gospel. But, but I think the twisting of this is, is that the sense is, is that I can go on being that, right? Mm -hmm. I can go, if I'm, if I come to Christ, Christ is going to love me. If I'm a homosexual, Christ is going to love me. And, and I can, and because he gets us and because he gets my sin and he understands it, he, he understands my weakness and my weakness is being homosexual. I mean, that's my weakness, right? In terms of, you know, if I, if that's what I, you know, and, you know, for me, it could be, you know, maybe I was a liar, you know, and now that it's funny because those, those kind of sins are never highlighted. It's always going to, it's always the, you know, the, the big ones like homosexuality or the trans, transgender it's those sins that are highlighted in these kind of things because that's the agenda. But, you know, nobody's saying, well, you know, I can't, I'm a murderer, and so I should, be, you know, Christ gets me, so I should be able to continue in my, in my mm -hmm. sin. And I know that, sound, that probably sounds harsh, would sound harsh to, a, to ears that don't see, that wouldn't equate homosexuality with, with murder, but ultimately they're, they're both sins against a holy God. They're both sins against his wisdom and his uh, holy character. So, yes, I mean, I, so I, it, it would be akin to me saying, I'm a liar. I, I came to Christ as a liar. And, you know, I don't, I, I, he gets me and I, and I, he, I'm, I'm a liar. And I mean, it sounds, it's, <laughs> it, it sounds harsh or it sounds, you know, even like crazy, but, but that's what we're, that's what, what's being said is that it's okay because he gets me. And, mm -hmm. You know, I it, there's no call for, oh well, I need you know I need to love what he loves and I need to hate what he hates, mm. right? And and it's interesting because you know it it in in all the encounters in terms of like encountering sin, I mean he would say things like go and sin no more, right? He he would tell them you know the the and I think it's John John five you know, he healed, healed the guy. He was on, you know, he says, you know, it was, uh, you know, pick up your pallet and walk. It's John, John five twelve. He, you know, he t tells, tells him to, to walk and, you know, he was, he was lame and couldn't walk. And then, you know, he comes back to him later after, you know, afterward Jesus found him in the temple. So this is the man he healed and said to him, behold, you've become well, do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. And so, you know, I mean, he's he's calling the man to to a holy life, and and you know, so that's a far cry from that's a far cry from he gets us, you know, he sees this and he understands our weakness, and I and and I get that again, I get that because that's we saw that in in Hebrews four, you know, he's a sympathetic high priest, and and he gets us in that sense, but that's only part of the story. The whole thing is, is that he gets us, but he's not—he's not, le not going to leave us where we're at. Like he—he's not going to, you know, 
he wants us that he wants to sanctify us. I mean, so you know, going back even to what Paul says in Romans eight, Romans eight twenty eight, where we're, you know, he God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who call according to His purpose. Then he goes on to say, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also um, glorified. And so, the well, the point is, is that, that going back to, to 829, the point is, is that you know he conforms us to the image of his son, and and you know we know that what is the image of his son? Well, it's 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 perfect, mm. right? I mean, there there is no sin. I mean, he is not a he's not sinful. He's a, he's the sin. You know, John the Baptist called him the sinless Lamb of God, and so if I'm being conformed to his image, then I that I'm being sanctified. I'm being made like him. And I, I don't continue in, you know, as an example, going back to my, my examples of lying or mur- you know, murdering or any of the sins that we would all agree on, he doesn't want me to stay there, right? He's, there's no, he doesn't want me to continue to be a liar. He certainly wouldn't want me to continue to be a murderer. And, and so, again, the types of sins we're talking about are, can be equated. It's not, it's not, and when you see the list of sins in the Bible— those kind of you know, homosexuality is included in those things, and I know in this world that we live in, in the culture that we live in, that it's you know we're we're being attacked for saying that, but that is the truth. I mean, that is the the truth of God's word, and we can't fall, we can't pull back from that. Was there ever anyone that encountered Jesus that that didn't change? I, I guess we think of the the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do? And Jesus said, sell everything. And then he went away sad because he had many. But, I mean, your favorite guy is Zacchaeus. Everybody that met Jesus, there was a change, wasn't there? That, that well, happened? I mean, well, the rich young ruler, you know, he refused to change. Right. Right, because he, he was a man of many possessions. He was a rich, he was rich, and he loved his wealth. And so... You know, Jesus called him to to change. Now, what's interesting about that is that, and I forget which one, if it's Mark 10 or if it's Luke 18, I think it's Mark 10, I think. But he says in that, the list of commandments, he says, do not defraud. Mm. And it's interesting because I think that the way he, I think the reason why Jesus did that is because the way he, the way he actually became rich was by defrauding people. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that, and I think Jesus knew his heart because he knew the heart of all men. And I think he said that because it was something that was very specific to him. Now, what's interesting is do not defraud actually isn't a commandment because he says, you know, the commandments and he throws that one in there. But I think it's because, I mean, do not defraud would be related to, you know, bearing false witness. You know, that would be the, that would be really the commandment that's there. But he said, do not defraud, which is related to money, which is related to defrauding somebody for the purpose of getting money from them, and and that would be a, a, a that would be a type of bearing false witness. So you know, I'm mm. saying you know something in order to t- twist it to make it sound like you're going to get something out of it, but actually it's for me. And so so Jesus was very clear there that that was the issue. 
but that man refused to stop, refused to give up all his possessions that he had defrauded people to get. He had refused to give them all up, and so therefore he wouldn't change. So Jesus did call mm-hmm. him to change, and he refused to. And so, but then you bring up Zacchaeus, which is right after that account, and you see something. You see exactly the opposite. You see a man who says, you know, he, you know, he's the story is he climbs up the tree. Jesus is coming into town. He climbs up the tree to see him because he was short. And I mean, there's, there's a lot there, but, but ultimately Jesus calls him down and says, I'm going to stay at your house. And, and then, um, and then basically at Zacchaeus stands probably as he was going in the door of his house, probably there's a crowd there and they're all saying, Oh, you know, Jesus has gone to be with the sinner. And it says, you know, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my possessions, half my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Well, notice that word defrauded. Mm. That's the same word that's being used for, you know, the rich young ruler. And so, again, I think that's in Mark 10. But the point is, is that, is that Zacchaeus came to a point of recognizing that he was a sinner and he's repenting of that sin, and, and, and part of his repentance is a change. I mean, like he's willing to give up everything. He's willing to give up everything that he possesses in order to make himself right. And, like to, and so he, this isn't a situation where Jesus says, well, I get you, you know, Zacchaeus, you're just a, you know, you're just a dark little short tax collector that you know, is defrauding everybody, and, and that's okay. I mean... I want you to I still, st- you, you. I still love you. I get you. I get it. You know, and so no, that's not what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he, th- there's a complete change, and you know, and then it says, then it says, um, you know, Jesus goes, and Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham." And so, I mean, that point there is that he was a tax collector, and they weren't, they didn't see him as a true Jew because he was, he had, you know, had given up, he had was defrauding them and you know they were they didn't like him and so he was he was unclean therefore but Jesus says look I'm you know because of his repentance he is clean he is a son of Abraham then he says this for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost well the truth of the matter is is the only way that he the only reason that Jesus saved him is cuz he realized he was lost mm. he came to the realization that he was lost and so it's different than the he gets us campaign because he gets us campaign depicts a Jesus that meets us where we are and leaves us where we are, yeah. right? That's what's being depicted there. But in reality, Jesus doesn't meet... I mean, Jesus may meet us where we are because he met Zacchaeus where he was, although you could make the argument that Zacchaeus sought him out. And, mm-hmm. you know, but but he didn't keep him. He didn't leave him there. Yeah. Yeah, he... he I mean, Zacchaeus did something. Zacchaeus repented. Zacchaeus turned from his sin. Now I would argue that Zacchaeus was saved prior to that repentance that you know that he had that you know faith preceded repentance and and we see that well, I could show you that if we went through the text but the point is is that the point is is that yeah Jesus didn't there was there was a complete change Jesus didn't just leave him you know that it's not this he gets us and it's kind of a nebulous thing it's actually let's completely I mean there needs right. to be repentance right Right, and let's let's just dive in a little bit of this foot washing before we end this 
podcast. Let's talk a little bit about that. What was the specific reason that Jesus took the basin and before the, the Lord's Supper, the, 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 the upper room, why he washed his disciples' feet? I think he showed, he, he's depicting serving one another. Mm-hmm. That there's a that that there's a serving of one another, and and you know, he also depicted humility. There's a humility about serving one another, and a willingness to be humble in serving one another. I mean, you 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 would notice that that's his that was his disciples. So there is a, you know, it, it's more equated to the church. You know, those who were actually in the church, and I'm serving people in the church, and you know, there's something different about that, and you know, that doesn't mean. I mean, I, I don't know in terms of equating it to, to being willing to wash a sinner's feet, you know, as an example of someone who's in homosexual sin, you know, which is what, you know, is kind of getting depicted there. Uh, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's exactly what Jesus was wanting us to do. But, but it does show a humility. I mean, I, there's no doubt that, you know, we all are sinners. I mean, right? I mean, there, you sin against me, I sin against you. We, we do have that... You know, we do have that sin. You know, we have a sin problem, right? We're we're all we all have the flesh, and so yes, I mean, I, I think that there's a there's something about you know humbling ourselves and being willing to serve someone who sins against me. But I don't think that's what. Again, I don't think that's what the point of the foot what the point of the foot washing wasn't. This kind of I'm gonna I, I've got to go out and 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 wash somebody's feet. You know, I, I go find Al Capone, and I got to wash his feet because I mean, I don't think that was the whole. I don't think that's what Jesus was trying to say. It is. It is a humbling effect, and but it. it I, I'm trying to figure out how the commercial was was trying to depict it. I think it's that we're all in the same position, right? We're all together and 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 trying to wash someone's feet that maybe we we disagree with. Like the, the, I think the commercial was, "Who is our neighbor?" And then and, and it brought in uh, illegal uh, immigrants, and the, the guy was washing his feet, and then it was just all these different things. The police officer washing uh, the protesters' feet, or the message was was kind of it was it was hard to understand unless you understood what Jesus was doing specifically with his disciples, mm-hmm. Be- because it, it can become this like you say always say the nebulous kind of thing where where yeah, it, I, what's wrong with washing everyone's feet? I you know that's that's a nice thing. Like back then they were a little bit more. They wore sandals. It was dusty. It was something you did before you entered a home, out of respect. And so, if the if uh, if, the, if the host came out and did that, that was a that was a nice thing to do for for his guests. But but you were saying Christ is specifically showing that this is a servitude. You guys, you men are to serve each other. Yes. There's no one above any I, my humility. Yeah, we need to be a model for love for Christian love. I mean, you. They will know, you know. John says they will know you by your love, right? There's this that that within the house of God, there should be this Christian love for one another. That we should be demonstrating love for our neighbor. And oh, by the way, I mean that's a that's an interesting concept as well, because you know the you know the the Jesus says that the the law and the 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 law and the prophets are summed up by loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so then you get into what, who is your neighbor? Well, you know, your neighbor is anyone. And so, but what we need to recognize is that, that the law, that loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself are actually dependent Mm -hmm. upon the law. The law says, you know, the, the first, 
I think it's the first four commandments, you know, are all about how we are to love God, right? Not have idols before, putting idols before him, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, but then the second four commandments is all about how we are to ha- love our neighbor, right? So the first commandments are loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first tablet, if you will, of the, of the law. The second tablet is loving your neighbor as yourself. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, or bear false, false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery. Those are the things that I need to do in order to love my neighbor. Well, <clears throat> so as an example, you know, someone who's committing homosexual sin— I mean that is a form of adultery, right? That's a form of that's a that's that's a forbidden that's forbidden by the law. And so I'm not loving my neighbor as myself if I am okay if I if I encourage them in that sin. Again, we have we can't divorce love from truth. We can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jesus never did that. He never he never divorced the two. It was always this is how you love, right? The law is there to show us how to love. I mean, it's our tutor unto Christ, if you will, and it's what you know Paul says. So, so I need to I need to to love the way God, you know, in God's example, and God doesn't, you know, He's not going to, and He's He's God hates sin, and so therefore I can't I can't accept and be condoning of sin, and still be loving, and still be well said another way. I can't be condoning of sin and still love like God loves. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. So as we look at He Gets Us, it is, it's a very confusing ad. Um, it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't uh, talk about repentance or the gospel. It, uh, I, I, just don't, I just don't think it's a well-done way to push Christ well, there's just a, there's the, no, I mean, you're being kind to say it that way. I mean, quite frankly, that it's not well, you know, I mean, I think there, I personally think that there's an agenda that's there that is one of, one to basically show that true Christianity is all about love, right? But the problem is, is that, that it's love divorced from the truth. Well, if someone stands for the truth, and wants to to love by the truth, then basically they're going to be marginalized. That's the that's yeah. the that's the agenda. Is that is to marginalize those who you know going back to even that first paragraph. You know that how did the greatest love story get twisted into a tool to judge, harm, and divide? Mm. And so that's that the agenda is to say basically if you stand for the truth, then you're unloving. And you're dividing, and you're causing great harm, and that's the so that's the agenda that's there. And really, it's the you know it's it's interesting because I think I think you know you have the the uh, the antichrist, and you have the false prophet. Well, the false prophet is going to be someone who proclaims to to know the mm-hmm. truth, right? It's going to be the twisted truth, but it, they're going to proclaim it as truth. And I think. I mean, quite frankly, I think something like this is, and I'm, and it's interesting because I, you know, it's the, it's the Green family. Uh, I think that's behind it, the Hobby Lobby guy that's behind a lot of the financing for this. And I'm not, I, I, if, if David Green was here today, I don't, I don't know that he necessarily would say, or that he would have like this would be his agenda. Like he would, like I, I'm not sure that it's his agenda that's doing this, 
but I think he's falling for, I think the problem is, is that it's falling for and it's paving the way for people to use it for nefarious purposes. And that nefarious purpose is to say, if you stand for the truth, then you're unloving. If you're, and if you're unloving and, and then you're not, you can't be a part of who Jesus is because Jesus is going to be, is this. And so, so I think it paves the way for, as an example, the false prophet to, to basically preach a counterfeit love to preach a counterfeit gospel that that's no gospel at all. I mean, so that's the, that's the issue that we're up against here is that, that yes, have there been legalistic people in, in the church? Absolutely. Have there been people who have divided and harmed? Absolutely. But I would, I would tell you that those people are, you know, that's a satanic influence in Mm -hmm. the church. It's not the true church. The true church is one that would, yes, stand for the truth, but they would do it in love. And so, you know, again, it has to be both. You know, the, the truth can't be divorced from love. Love can't be divorced from truth. If I'm standing completely on, well, as a matter of fact, Ephesians, uh, Revelation 2, what did Jesus say about the church at Ephesus, that they had lost their mm-hmm. first, first love? So they stood for the truth, but they had lost their love for, for the saints. They had lost their love for the Lord, ultimately. And so mm-hmm. that, that's problematic. That's, that's wrong. But it doesn't make it any more right just to say, well, it's all about love, baby. You know, it's that's that's it, you know, divorced from the truth. It's it has to be both. Again, it's love and truth. It's he's full of grace and truth. He's full of loving kindness and truth. And so we have to recognize it that way. And if we don't, if we don't, then we're we're off there's two ditches. You know, we wanna be we don't wanna be in either ditch. And so you know, there's that tension that's held there that holds us in the right place. There's the the love, and there's the truth, and I'm held both by both in order to to stay out of the ditch on one side or the other. Yeah, that's well, that's a good way to put it. And uh, I I think this he gets it is, yeah, it's like a, we're looking at uh, one tenth of what Christ who he is and what he's what he stands for. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's interesting because. One of the questions, and they're frequently asked questions, is about what's your stance on the LGBTQ plus community. And here, let me just read this. It says they're probably these are probably the most common questions we we receive, and we understand why. Many of those who represent Jesus have made people in the LBG, LGBTQ plus community feel judged and excluded, and others in the Jesus community have simply ignored their stories and lived experiences. So let us be clear, in our opinion, Jesus loves gay people, Jesus loves trans people, the LGBTQ plus community, like all people, is invited to explore the story of Jesus and consider his example of unconditional love, grace, and forgiveness of others. No matter who you are, you are invited to explore the story of Jesus and consider what it means for your life. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I mean, I think what's, what's problematic about that is that basically equating the truth with being unloving mm. right i'm yeah. if i tell you the truth that that homosexuality is sinful if i tell you the truth that you can't that a man can't become a woman and a woman can't become a man if i tell you the truth then therefore i'm being unloving that's the that's the message mm. that they're giving giving across but that's not that's not the truth of the of scripture the truth of scripture is is that i'm actually being unloving if i don't give you the truth but I need to give you the truth in love. I yes. mean, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, and that, and I think that's that's a good way to look at this. Is that that that's what they're missing? Yes, they're 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 divorcing they're love. Separating. And, yeah, they're, yep. it's it's an unconditional love that has no conditions. But the problem is, is that there is con- there are conditions. Yes. I mean, yep. the the law itself is conditional, and you can say, well, you know, what the law has been, you know, it's all grace now. Right, it's all grace. Well, the truth of the matter is, it's been grace from the beginning. It was grace even with the law, because the law was a tutor to show you that you couldn't, that you fell short of God's glory. The law showed you how far short you you fall of His glory, and the only way that that a sinner is ever going to be justified is by grace. I mean, that was that was mm-hmm. from the very beginning, and we saw that in you know in the garden when Adam and Eve fell. What did Jesus do, or what did God do? He he took a he sacrificed he did a blood sacrifice with the skins and covered their their sins. I mean that was his grace that that's grace being demonstrated right there in the garden, and so and and it hasn't been any different from 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 that point forward. But that doesn't change the fact that God has a you know God is a holy God that God has you know His holy law, and and as a matter of fact. Christ has the law of Christ. You know, mm-hmm. we see that in Galatians where Paul talks about the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Well, it's basically everything that was given in the law repeated. I mean, you know, we still can't go shoot somebody and mm-hmm. it's still sinful to go do that. It's still sinful to lie. It's still sinful to commit adultery. I mean, those things are still sinful. And he didn't he didn't all of a sudden say, "Oh, it's, you know, don't worry about that. It's okay." You know, I'm I'm all right with that. No, he didn't say that. Matter of fact, he he doubled down and and said, you know, if you lust after a woman, you know, if you if you see her and you lust after her, that's that's the same as committing adultery. You know, if you are angry with your brother, you know, if you get angry with your brother, that's the same as murdering him. So it, if anything, he the he strengthened the law. I mean, even mm-hmm. though I wouldn't say that it's what he did, but the point is is that he showed us, you know, just how far it goes into the heart. That it's not just about actions; it's about you know your heart and your heart attitude, you know, in terms of how you live. And so, so in that sense, he did strengthen it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was always it, now. What's interesting, it was always that way, yeah. right? But they just the the Jews actually twisted the law to make it fit what they wanted, it, and so that they could live or you know they could be obedient to what their understanding or what their interpretation of the law was. But but the point is, is that. The law always showed God's heart, and it reveals our heart. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. So he gets us. I would say no, so I'll stay away from that. If you want a, a true he gets us kind of commercial that ought to, that is really based on the truth, then you would see people who, you know, who are formerly homosexual or formerly trans mm-hmm. who, who come to know the, and understand the true gospel, who turn from their sins and... and live for him. They turn to a living and true God and they change. They're no longer that same person. They are a new creation in Christ. And so, you know, they they that's the type mm-hmm. of stuff that we need to be seeing as being truly wrought of God or of God. That would be a way better commercial. Yes. We should do that. I think we should do that. Yes. Actually somebody somebody on I saw it on social media. Somebody actually did one. Somebody like was telling me that too that they yeah. had a they made a a Christian one. I would. I just want to thank you for your wisdom. And if you were a fast food restaurant, I would. I would want a double order. <laughs> You've been listening to Fresh Bread, 
podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening.